I'm helping create the world I want to live in. I'm, I'm trying to set a good example for my stepdaughter, for my sister, right? So at this point, it's everything I do is out of passion. It's, you know, the technology and, and the opportunities are going to happen with or without me. So I just want to make sure I'm not getting left behind it. Hi, Andy. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you so much for doing this. I know it's super early on your end. It's pretty early, but I know it's pretty late on your end too. So I'm just <laughs> able to make it work. Yeah, how's your week? Love the plants in the background, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is Brazil, so everything grows just perfectly down here. Have you always been in Brazil, or did you move there? Well, so I'm from Chicago, and I still have a residence there, uh, but I've been kind of migrating to Rio for the last year and a half or two years now. So I got married a few months ago here in Brazil, um, so this is kind of home base now. That's awesome. Talking about that, I remember one of your messages you talked, you were telling me about how you have like a morning routine um, and how you, you know, you're pretty strict with your time. Please um, tell me a bit, like, what's your routine like? Well, these days it's a little different being down here. And um, because we're three hours uh, ahead of Chicago, five hours ahead of Pacific, I'm kind of in this weird time zone where I'm, I'm working a lot later. Like I'll probably work until midnight again. It reminds me when I started my first startup, like working five in the morning until midnight. But typically, um, when, when I'm in startup mode, I always like to do the Wim Hof method. So I'll wake up really early, you know, do the ice cold shower, the hyperventilation. I love to run. Um, we're, we're in the process of moving to a bigger place that has a gym because I do really want to get back into working out um, every day. But the, the routine here basically is we wake up, have an espresso. I like to do my Wordle, although I'm like 150 days in a row where I just get the word of the day and the bonus word in like three minutes. It's not even fun anymore, but that's kind of become the routine. Um, but today, today has turned into our day that we go to the Botanic Garden here in Rio, which is just an amazing place to be. Um, so that'll be that'll be in a little bit. So we'll do the show and then I'll do my morning routine and then we'll head to the garden. That's beautiful. Tell me a bit about the Wim Hof breathing. Um, I've been doing it every day. I'm on day 12 right now. I think on the third round, I can hold my breath for two and a half minutes. And it's pretty crazy how like 12 days in, I'm starting to learn how to control my heart rate, learning to control how to slow down my brain, starting to, I don't know if it's placebo, but feel the oxygen in my sort of bloodstream. Yeah, so he's he's amazing. Um, and he, I know he can hold his breath for a super long time. The method that I deploy for Wim Hof is effectively doing a, a workout hyperventilating and taking a nice cold shower, um, you know, as cold as it'll get for as long as you can handle. And that kind of shocks your system. Um, and then you come out and do a little bit more workout as well. Um, and that just is a way where it wakes you up. It really, at least for me, helps with my clarity, helps with my recall. How I found out about you was I was going through LinkedIn and you're like big on LinkedIn. You have like half a million followers. You're probably one of the biggest accounts on LinkedIn because I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So I know that like not many people have your large following. Tell me, the audience, a bit about what you do and who you are, Corey. Well, sure. So I was a waiter and bartender for my entire adulthood. And about seven years ago, maybe eight years ago now, I started a company because in the restaurant industry, 
they always put you on call. So you never know if you're working until the day of. You never can really plan your life around that. You can't really forecast your income. And I realized that all of the data points existed uh, that would help a restaurant to schedule more effectively. So I put together a, a software company. It was a SaaS B2B platform. We bootstrapped it to market, ultimately raised quite a bit of money, scaled the team and, and the, the accounts up, and then I took an exit of that. So I kind of, you know, when we raised our big round, they replaced me as CEO. I was a chief visionary officer, which means that you get paid a little bit less and do a whole lot less. Um, you know, it was a learning experience for me. And LinkedIn's what really helped me kind of raise my capital, scale my team, get in front of the key decision makers. And, you know, as a, as a first time founder reading the lean startup and traction and trying to figure it all out, you wear every hat. So I got pretty good at digital marketing, pretty good at sales, um, pretty good at growth hacking, decent at financial modeling. And, you know, I kind of just learned how to do everything and became more of a generalist. I joined an institution called the Founder Institute as their one of their mentors, um, quickly became a mentor in excellence for a few cohorts, and they bumped me up to a managing director. So I helped launch lots of companies through FI. I'm still with them as an entrepreneur in residence. And about a year ago, I co-founded a Web3 launch pad, just basically doing things differently than the Accelerator and post-Accelerator. I went through um, just doing things the way that I thought was probably deficient in the startup world. And so now we've got 15 portfolio companies. A couple of them are literally, you know, helping shape and change the world, um, especially Web3 blockchain. Um, I got really into DAOs. I've helped launch some DAOs that have sold out. I've helped some companies form as DAOs, really into ESOPs, employee-owned companies as well. Um, and I've kind of just started interjecting myself into places that I really want to see technology succeed. So I'm chief growth officer over at Agora World. We're a no-code drag-and-drop metaverse creation platform. Super cool. I'm doing a lot with AI these days. Um, I started a company called Coaching to Web3 that's putting coaching on the blockchain um, using NFTs to unlock coaching programs. It's pretty cool. And what we're what we're really ultimately moving toward is helping coaches build photorealistic avatars of themselves to coach on their behalf so that we can help more people at any given time. That product is getting pretty close um, to, to being uh, in a closed beta. And I'm pretty excited about that. So that's that's kind of an, in a nutshell what I do. And yeah, LinkedIn's been very good to me. So um, I'm I'm a bigger account on there, certainly not one of the biggest, but I, I've been coaching people for a year and a half or so. Some of them have bigger accounts than I do. And then, you know, it, they say if, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're hanging out in the wrong room. Um, if you have the biggest LinkedIn account and you're, you're trying to take LinkedIn seriously, you're probably in the wrong room too. So I have literally, I have friends that have 10 times as many followers as I do, but yeah, I did just hit the 500,000 follower milestone a few days ago. Congratulations. Did you say you. that you're creating like an AI similar to like chat GPT, but then it's like, it's, there's like a facial to it. So you can literally put my face and it somehow collects, let's say I have, a thousand videos on YouTube, does it somehow collect data from a thousand touch points of me talking and then somehow create like a virtual version of me? 
Yeah, and I saw you do have about a thousand videos on YouTube, so that's cool. Yeah, I can take those data points. One of the ways that we've been training my character um, is using lots and lots of hours of video footage from my coaching. So it can take those data points. We use that more for inflection, tonality. How do I respond? You know, every time someone asks this type of question, how do I respond so that we can begin to mimic that? Um, but then we've also, you know, and I have a team behind me. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not crazy enough to try to do things on my own anymore. Right. I always like to employ uh, the best people, but we've put together over a thousand data points. Um, and then I've started to redo my entire coaching so that everything I do becomes further data points to educate and inform the model. Um, but it's pretty cool. I mean, there's, there's some open source stuff out there. Mark Cuban's got a company he backs called Aletheia AI that has a product called Character GPT that's pretty cool. So you can go there right now and build an avatar. Won't look like you or me because they're they're pretty limited on their templates yet, but you can go build one and, and teach it to be a, a travel agent or a customer service representative. Um, and they look pretty good. Um, what we've been working on, you know, and not that it's a contest, but I think ours ours looks better. Um, you know, there's still a lot of challenges in in the world of like, you know, how how do you how do you ensure authenticity, right? Because if I have an avatar of myself out there in the wild, we need to make sure that other people aren't spinning that off and having it give bad advice or anything like that. So I've become really bullish on anything that AI generates to have it be on chain and I'm chain agnostic as long as it's a carbon neutral blockchain um, that uses the, the proof of stake um, because I'm really, I mean, with, with my launch pad, we're called decarbon. We're all about helping web three turn, turn green carbon neutral um, as an industry. But other than that, I'm chain agnostic, but I do believe that everything needs to be minted on the chain that's AI generated in this world, just so that we know what's real, what the source of truth was, you know, and things like that. It's crazy how, I don't know, timing-wise, it seems like everything AI-related is just coming to fruition right now. Like with ChatGBT, like for example, like that facial company that you're working on where you can literally put in a thousand of my videos and it creates a virtual version of Annie Mai, like has that been working for the last, have you been working on that for the last three, four, five years? And coincidentally, it's like about to launch at the same time everything is about to launch when it comes to AI. Yeah, but it's interesting. You know, I sit on some boards and, and uh, some councils that have been working on some of this for, for a few years now. I've, I'm newer to some of these boards. Um, but I can say the technology is way ahead of what we're seeing now. But one thing I always like to kind of remind people and elucidate is that this is deep machine learning, but it, it is becoming, you know, artificial intelligence, meaning it's getting better every day. And ChatGPT has over 100 million users feeding it data every day to make it better. Um, Microsoft just announced that they're um, releasing what they're calling, I guess, ChatGPT4, um, but into Bing search engine. And we have a Cori Connects uh, extension of the Bing search engine. So I'm really excited, um, you know, to be able to basically launch the Cori Connect search engine with ChatGPT functionality. And sorry for the viewers, but I, I've got a little dog that has a broken leg. She can't jump off the couch. So I've got to let her down. Here, honey. Here, honey. Um, 
but you know, Chat GPT four is going to be by orders of magnitude more powerful than than what we've been playing with so far. And Chat GPT three has been really fun, uh, or three point five to just kind of really learn all the nuances of. I mean, there are thousands of prompts that make it more powerful, but uh, the the one thing that I love to talk to about people when they're thinking about starting to use or play with a chat GPT or a different GPT is that it's just like a real assistant. And if you use it like an assistant, it's much more powerful, but no one would ever hire an uh, assistant and assume that they know everything and be perfect on day one, right? That's not feasible. You have to train your assistant. You have to be patient. You have to tell them what to do, what not to do. And if people use that approach with a GPT, it makes it much more powerful. Interesting, because I saw on your LinkedIn bio, you said you're like an early adopter of chat GPT, which is super duper cool. So I definitely want to hear more about that. But this morning I used chat GPT and I noticed like a subscription button pop up where like now you can pay $20 a month and you get a faster loading time. If it's overload, you get priority. So like that's a, like literal 24 hours change, yeah, update. Yeah, there and uh, ChatGPT, uh, you know, was kind of not first to market, but when Facebook tried it and Google tried it before, they had a lot of problems. So they were kind of more in shadow mode. And then with ChatGPT taking over, I mean, they got 100 million users in two months. I think they say the internet took 18 months or something to get 100 million users. It's pretty wild um, what's really happening in that, in that world. Um, and then just today, Google's announcing and revealing their Bard product, which is their version. And so they're they're obviously in scramble mode trying to trying to keep up with all these new changes. So we'll see. Um, I think we're gonna probably in the next 60 days, I think the world of AI will be much different than it is right now. Do you know what the story is behind Chat GPT? Like how did they come out of nowhere? Like who's a founder and like who backed them were they backed by microsoft is that where they got majority of their funding like how did they just come out of nowhere well so OpenAI is the parent company they've been around for a few years and elon musk was one of the original founders of that company so that's where a lot of their initial funding came from and not just elon but you know people like to throw money at anything that he's doing um so there was that and then uh elon's no longer with the company um, but Microsoft initially put a billion dollars into OpenAI, um, which is ChatGPT's parent company. And that was really um, an eye-opener, right? I think that's when people started to really take them seriously. That was over a month ago. And then uh, just a few weeks ago, Microsoft announced another $10 billion being deployed into OpenAI um, with, a, with another follow-on $1 billion already presented and nine, nine billion that's going to be coming, you know, sequentially. So they're now $2 billion of cash into open AI. They're beginning to embed all their products into all the Microsoft office suites, the Bing search engine, LinkedIn being owned by Microsoft. I'm quite certain that we'll start to see some of the GPT functionality in LinkedIn as well, which is interesting. Um, again, if we don't start minting stuff on chain, it's going to get really confusing really quick. Um, but as long as we're able to kind of have that foresight as an industry, I think we'll be we'll be fine. But so that's that's kind of the genesis story. And so it was a few years in the making. Um, 
Microsoft has said that the new version that's being um, rolled into Bing is actually going to be much more current um, than the than the one right now that's kind of limited to anything before 2021. So I think it's it's going to even be an interesting week and um, and month for for AI for sure. That's so cool. What since you're sort of on the inside, like what early sort of spoilers or what can we expect in the next 60 days or what should we be looking out for? Well, they're saying that the GPT-4, chat GPT-4 product is going to be what we're starting to see in the Microsoft releases. And so that product is one that you can speak with, not just type to. It should um, not only be much more relevant, but I believe they're going to start to incorporate different elements like their Dolly 2 graphic um, component so that you'll be able to just talk to it and it can um, build you a presentation deck or a website. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more when you have it build and deploy code and test code that it can do. Um, you know, not that it's good, but I have a feeling the reason we see companies like Microsoft and Google downsizing so substantially is that they now believe that their technology can do what they were paying a lot of these engineers to do previously. So, um, you know, my heart goes out to those affected, but I know there's going to just be millions of, in, you know, highly intelligent, highly motivated people in the market. I'm actively working with a number of other people to get them all hired that that are looking for jobs or to start their own thing if they want to. Um but yeah, I think we're I think we're we're coming around the bend, right? And people talk about a singularity and artificial general intelligence, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens now that it's you know not autonomous, but but certainly can do a lot of what what previously was uh, you know needing a lot of engineering brain power behind. Wow! So it's like your full time job now, Corey, just sort of basically having a portfolio, having sort of like a mini sort of in investing company and you're sort of on this on the sort of on, on the chair of, of uh, on the table of a lot of these companies and you sort of do a lot of meetings and give advice and you have equity in all these companies and you sort of try to sort of invest in the companies that you think have long-term potential is that basically a full-time job now well, we've got the the launch pad and, and I do take that very seriously you know probably the equivalent of a partner uh, you know, almost full-time job. We do fractional business development. We help with fundraising. We're raising a fund. Um, so that that takes a lot of my time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all in for Agora World. So we're putting in time daily there. Uh, you know, they're, they're an extension of what we're doing at G-Carbon. Um, but really, I'm still doing the LinkedIn stuff. So I'm still coaching people. I'm really actively working on the Coaching 2 Web 3 platform. We hope to be live soon with that. Um, product as well. And then a lot of what I do these days is just playing around with all the different AIs coming out. I think there were like 60 different AI products that were released in the last 45 days. Um, so I'm playing a lot with the different music GPTs right now, um, where they can create music for you. I'm a musician, so I like to see what what they do kind of side by side with what I've created on a GarageBand product or something like that. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm enjoying my life as well. We try to get out, you know, either on the water, in the water, up in the mountains or anything like that pretty often here. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of spend my time wherever I think it's most valuable at this point. What's your advice when it comes to like monetizing LinkedIn followers? Because I know creators that have like two, three hundred thousand followers, but they don't 
really, they can't really opt, like monetize that at all. But then I see people with 1,000 followers and they create really niche content on being, you know, a CRO, sort of creating the best landing pages, funnels, and they're able to monetize their small following for like half a million a year. Like, what's the difference? Like, how, like, how do you monetize LinkedIn? Well, I think a lot of the people with 200,000 followers are probably, you know, either using some automation or just in some some of the engagement pods that are really just echo chambers. Nobody there does business with each other. So it becomes a misappropriation of time. For me, I've been able to build a successful six-figure coaching career around helping people use LinkedIn. So that in and of itself is a way that I'm able to monetize it, right? People come to me and wonder how I got 10 million views on my post or how I doubled from 250 to 500,000 followers in a year. And so that's an easy conversation, right? How do you do it? Well, I teach people, right? <laughs> like, um, I've actually developed a free tier and a mid tier kind of as, as two more approachable ways for people to work with me in addition to my coaching, which is a couple thousand bucks an hour. And like I said, some of the people I've coached have bigger accounts than I do at this point. They're all monetizing it. I don't believe in vanity metrics. So that's a way to monetize is to teach other people how to do it, right? It's kind of the Bruno Mars, don't believe me, just watch method. Um, but I have companies that come to me and they'll pay me, you know, great for what it is. And they'll pay me high hundreds or low thousands of dollars to do a post about them. And I'm very picky about who I'll post. So they probably passed on more than half of the companies that have approached me. But when a company comes and they're doing something, you know, cool in space tourism or something disruptive in blockchain, and I, I post about them, I, you know, I take the time to do a thoughtful post, make sure that it's really presenting them in the best light. There's a clearly defined call to action. But so those have been successful for me as well. And then, you know, I've helped companies raise full investment rounds using LinkedIn. I've helped companies go number one on product hunt, several, you know, several times on LinkedIn. And so those are always things that people are happy to pay for as well. Um, a lot of times it's just a, a matter of, can you get the results? They know that of my audience, probably some of them are graphic design, uh, Fiverr, people that will never do business with them. And that it's just the cost of doing business on LinkedIn. But they know I'm connected to the co-founder of LinkedIn and the CEOs of, you know, even, even some of the big AI companies that are coming out now. And I've been talking about AI and chat GPT, you know, since before they were household names on LinkedIn. So people have kind of started coming to me, you know, as kind of a, trusted authority on what's happening in this space. So I now have a lot of corporates bringing me in to do trainings on GPT, AI, and things like that. So that's become a nice ancillary revenue stream as well. So those all kind of add up to, you know, the, the nice six, seven figure business that people are hoping to build. Um, you know, and I, I have my other businesses that I have teams with, and, you know, a lot of people like to support anything that I'm doing these days. So that's pretty fortunate. Um, but yeah, hopefully that answered your question. I know everyone can't monetize in that way, but I, I think as long as people have a clearly defined strategy and know what they're selling and then don't try to oversell it on LinkedIn, um, I've seen it be successful in you know pretty much every field. Is it all inbound? Like, is it like you, for example, in your niche of sort of teaching people how to grow on LinkedIn, so you focus on growing your own account, people notice and people are like, oh, how did you grow your account? People then reach out to you be like, hey, I wondered how you grow your account. And then you go ahead and book and then you jump on a call with them. Is that usually the process and it's all reliant on inbound? 
Yeah, and my my method that I deploy for myself and that I teach others is to have a strong headline that really de- that clearly articulates what you do. So a year and a half ago, I changed my headline to just say I create LinkedIn influencers, and I did that at probably 10 p.m. Woke up at 6 a.m. and I had two people in my inbox saying, "How do you do it? How much does it cost?" Right. So I was able to take that headline. I was generating an average of eight million views per per month. So you know, even if some of those are the same people on different content, you can extrapolate that's at least a million people a month that saw that headline. So a strong percentage are intrigued. Some of them reach out. I got pretty good at, at making sure I could qualify people, made sure they knew kind of what the investment was so that we weren't wasting each other's time. Um, and so, yeah, everything comes to me either inbound or uh, by recommendation. Interesting. And like, it's insane that you went from like 250 to 500k like i'm in a few engagement groups and i see these accounts that have 400,000 300,000 but i think they've they've plateaued like i haven't seen their follower count grow so to see you've gone from quarter of a million to a million doubling in a year that is insane that's amazing yeah. oh i'll 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 break a million this year for sure wow what are you doing differently to all these other sort of LinkedIn gurus that have like 100, 200,000 followers, but it seems like they've been there like for a long time and they haven't, there's, there's no growth. They're, they're all overselling and they're all over marketing. So a lot of them use these templates that all have the same colors and shapes and they all look the same. A lot of them are using sales tactics and I've, I've developed a couple of philosophies on LinkedIn the first is nobody is there to learn anything. And the second is that no one is there to buy anything. And the third is that everyone is there to sell something. And I don't care who you are. I had a guy come to me with a, he had just sold his company for $300 million. He had been a president of a global media company prior to that. He came to me and said he wanted a million followers on LinkedIn. I said, okay. I said, I have these three philosophies. One is that everyone's here to sell something. And he got mad and said that he didn't, he wasn't there to sell anything. He just sold his company for so much money. He never, his two books were bestsellers and all these things. Um, so we had a little, a little chat and it turns out he wants to run for office in the country that he grew up in so that he can make some political changes with the way that they treat women. And so, so you're selling a political agenda, right? Just because you don't have a widget or a course does not mean that you're not here to sell something. But so if we look at LinkedIn through the lens of no one's there to learn anything, Right. If you and I want to learn, we go to Google or YouTube and now chat GPT. Right. LinkedIn figured that out. They even started their own company and app called LinkedIn Learning that they've been kind of, you know, struggling with. But that's a different conversation. No one's there to buy anything. If we want to buy something, we go to Google or to Amazon or maybe, you know, to a marketplace or a website, but not to LinkedIn. So if no one's there to learn and no one's there to buy and everyone's there to sell, then you start looking at these quote unquote gurus with 200,000 followers that can't sell anything that annoy you. And, you know, they're, they're not ever going to get someone like me or you probably to stop scrolling and to look at their ad for themselves. So I've started speaking with my audience, not at my audience. I've started giving people what they want, not what I want them to have, which is a dynamic shift in the way people usually use LinkedIn and so I, I start conversations. I, I, I give, I hold space for people to talk about what they do. And for me, it's all about getting that headline in front of as many people as I can. So now my headline says, ChatGPT, early adopter and expert. 
And then it still says I create LinkedIn influencers because that's my primary revenue stream. Um, and, and at this point, I mean, it's, I'll get off the, the recording and the show here with you pretty soon. And I'll probably have three to five people in my inbox asking how it works. Right. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And then what's your advice with content? Like, does that mean the best thing for you to do is create content on how people can grow on LinkedIn or is it smart for you to create trending content, get viral clips from Facebook and TikTok and repost to get those sort of really viral clips that pull on your heartstrings and post that and have like a very generic sort of thing like, hey, comment, what's your thoughts? Like, No, so that's all, that's all super salesy, right? So showing up, trying to teach people how to use LinkedIn, that's teaching people. No one's there to learn, right? Showing up in, you know, in any manner other than authentically so all my stuff is either about gpt lately or metaverse i do a lot with digital art um carbon neutrality in the environment i love to share stuff about technology and i'm more so the type of person where i, I like to find the people doing cool stuff and maybe web3 or uh metaverse that are doing maybe some cool art find their accounts on instagram find some stuff they've done that i think is cool and just straight up ask them if they want me to share it on LinkedIn. They always say yes. You know, you I give them credit. So I'm able to use their stuff, kind of help introduce them to my audience, help them get business. And it makes me look great that I'm not just pulling random videos from the internet, but but I'm actually working with the creators and you know everything that I, that I use um is cleared somehow or another. So there's no better way than to have the creator itself say, yeah, please share this on LinkedIn. Um, but again, I'm giving people what they want. I listen to my audience. If, if my audience suddenly just wanted, you know, maybe it was a really rough quarter for my for, for my circles or my industries and everyone just needed a good laugh, I'd sh shift my content to be a little more lighthearted and humorous. Whereas, you know, right now I'm doubling down on AI because it is the conversation and more and more people, I think, really need to know what's going on uh, in the world of tech because it's happening so quick. Interesting. And then for people listening, because I have a lot of audience that come from LinkedIn and a lot of them want to grow their accounts, what would be like a free sort of little golden nugget that you could share? Is it like all about the content that you choose or about the ad copy? Is it just about consistently posting every day? And if so, what do you post every day to grow? Yeah, I mean, last night I did something, uh, a prototype from China where they're bringing kids home underground in trains. And so I talked about the boring company a little bit. Because I, I know some stuff that's going to be coming out in, in that world soon. You know, everything I do is, you know, generally on trend um, and just trying to kind of have a conversation going. But to answer your question, I won't give one free nugget here. I'll give people kind of a toolbox for free. Uh, I, I helped launch a platform at the beginning of this year called Link Tips, LinkedIn Tips. So it's L-I-N-K-T-I-P-S, link below. <laughs> and... Uh, that's a totally free site. We're putting out content almost daily there around how to grow LinkedIn, how to leverage it, how to do things differently and better than most people um, are doing on LinkedIn. So we share tips there every day. There's very, very little sales. You know, we talk maybe once or twice a week about the masterclass that's being sold. Um, but that's it. Right. And so that's a totally free community. People can go check it out if they love it. I encourage them to join or follow um, the masterclass that I referenced is one that I taught 
two, almost three months ago now, but everything's still very relevant. It's a three and a half hour class. And I teach everything that I teach my one-on-one clients in that master class. We sell that for $750 to try to be more approachable. And then my coaching program is eight grand. I only work with people that have gone through the free program and the master class. And I deduct the master class from the price of coaching. And that's a much more selective process because I only work with a few people at any given time. That's super cool. I know you're busy, so I'll probably have to let you go soon, Corey. But tell me, like, how do you work 16-hour days without burning out? Like, that's crazy. Well, at at this point, I I don't have to work 16-hour days unless there's 16 hours of stuff I really want to get done. And it's just I'm helping create the world I want to live in. I'm I'm trying to set a good example for my stepdaughter, um, for my sister, right? So at this point, it's everything I do is out of passion. It's you know, the technology and, and the opportunities are going to happen with or without me. So I just want to make sure I'm not getting left behind at this point. Interesting. And how much percent of your time would be sort of jump? Because I know in the consulting space, it's a lot of sales calls. It's like probably when I was doing e-commerce consulting, I probably was spending like 70% of time on sales calls, 30% of time doing consulting. Is that like a similar mix and ratio you have as well? I do zero outbound. And I don't have to, right? Once I've coached someone, typically they'll tell people, and and I'll give you a quick insight into what we're doing at Coaching 2 Web 3. We're helping coaches put their coaching products online, on chain with smart contracts. So to hire me soon, what someone will do is buy an NFT. That NFT will unlock the different material, literature, resources that I have for them on a need basis, including links to my calendar for our one-on-one sessions. When someone's done with my coaching product, they now have an NFT that they're able to resell. When they resell the NFT, it resets with all of the functionality. My my company takes our percentage of that, and then they're able to actually recoup some of, if not all of their investment. But this turns everyone that I've worked with into a salesperson and a marketer because they're actively out telling people how great the coaching was, trying to sell their NFT so that they can recover some of their upfront expense. Um, that's a model that we're going to be licensing to a lot more coaches, everything from fitness coaches, life coaches, financial coaches we have in our pipeline um, that all want to kind of go to this Web3 method. It's a real time saver. <laughs> it takes a lot of the pain out of trying to prospect, trying to sell and all of that. So, you know, I'm fortunate. I've, I've never done outbound. Um, like I said, literally on the hour that we're talking right now, I'll have three to five inbound leads when I get off the call. So, you know, thankfully, I'm not having to do anything other than qualify them. And at this point, the the new model is even easier because I deflect absolutely everybody to my free group. They say, hey, can I hire you as a coach? They say, no, you can't, but you can join this group for free, right? And from there, they start to hear about the masterclass and some of them buy the masterclass. The masterclass is life-changing for anybody listening. Obviously, I'm biased, but I believe it's probably the best product available right now for people that want to get fast track to 100,000 followers, 100 million views on LinkedIn, and more importantly, how to convert that into revenue. Wow. So like people only get one or two sort of inbound leads. People message, hey, can you teach me how to do that? Is a process you talk to these people, you message them, you qualify them through SMS. Then once they qualify, you sort of book them into like a 45-minute discovery call. And then you do like, oh, no, wow. I only do 15 minute calls and I don't really do discovery anymore. Um, People know what I do. They know who I am by the time they get even in my inbox. So I make it very clear what the price tag is. 
I make it very clear that that I'm not actively onboarding clients and that there's this process. So I just send them to the group. By the time they get to me to buy the masterclass because they've seen it in the group, it's a very easy sell, right? They're coming to me basically with their checkbook out. So it's it's not really much of a process. And even on my 15-minute calls, and I teach this to my clients as well, but even on my 15-minute calls, I don't pitch, I don't sell. I just ask them about themselves, what their goals would be on LinkedIn. And at the end of the 15 minutes, I literally just say bye. Um, and it's so amazing how often people will hit me up two minutes later and go, well, I didn't get a chance to ask, how can I hire you? Where do I send the money? Right. So it's, I, I, I did sales for years as a, as a startup founder. And so I really figured out what does and doesn't work. And I don't like rejection. I don't like wasting my time or other people. So I've just really found a system that works really well for me and resonates with the type of clients I want to work with. Interesting. So let's say you got a hundred inbound strategy one, the old strategy would be to then get a hundred people on a call and you'll close 25% of them. The new strategy, you'll bring a hundred of them into like a free mastermind, maybe give them a free sort of magnet. And then like, Will the numbers end up being more than 25 over a period of time? Oh, absolutely. They're all qualified. These are all people that want what I'm selling, right? That's that's what the beauty is of having an optimized profile and putting it out there to, to get the huge visibility so only the right people are coming to you. Wow, that is so freaking amazing. That's like a new, and I think you're right. Like you're sort of, you've figured out the way to monetize on LinkedIn, it's sort of letting people come to you and people see on your profile exactly what you offer. And by the time they reach out to you, they're like already super duper hot. Yeah. Wow. Are there any like type of content that you post to actually get them onto your profile so they can see your bio? So I just do this stuff. I mean, I posted a few weeks ago a waiter with a really heavy full tray and it's super on brand for me because I did that for years. Um, but I crafted that post and, you know, I, I eat my own dog food. So I did all the little things that I teach others, but that post is at about two and a half million views, 42,000 likes, 2000 shares. And that post got me five inbound leads that have closed. So right. That post has made me thousands of dollars just by putting something that was on brand. Now, is the waiter carrying the trays have anything to do with what I do or my audience does? No, it's on brand for me because my original headline that I went viral with on LinkedIn was a waiter turned rest uh, waiter turned entrepreneur because the company that I started was solving a problem in the restaurant industry. Um, and so it's just really all about being intentional, having a clearly defined strategy and executing on it. Wow. And then how do you sort of go viral? on LinkedIn, like organically, because a lot of these people on engagement groups, they'll get like a hundred comments on every single post, but then the hundred comments is the same hundred people on every single post. And they can't seem to get outside out of that hundred people in the engagement group, but you're organically reaching like, like hundreds of people without an engagement group. And they're probably different each post. Yeah, I'm lucky. I don't do engagement groups at all, but because I create LinkedIn influencers and I have a private community of people that I've coached, everyone in that group, you know, half of them have over 100,000 followers as well. And they will, I don't put my links in, in that group either, but they all not only, you know, obviously follow me, but check out my profile, my content every day. So I have a lot of top creators that come and engage with me. Um, 
you know, organically. And then I have my friends with millions of followers and whenever they see my stuff, they'll engage and that always helps. Um, but other than that, one tip I'll give you that I always tell people is to just employ the blue ocean strategy, post when other people aren't. So for me, I found that most people, the closest to midnight Eastern that they post, the better. Most people aren't posting. You can extrapolate to different markets and industries, but um, that in and of itself is a growth hack that will get people, you know, anywhere from three times to tens of times the amount of engagement on their posts organically. How long does it take for you to craft your daily LinkedIn posts? For, for me, and I'm not trying to be cavalier, but oftentimes less than a minute. Like my post from last night took me less than a minute all in. And um, it's at a thousand likes and probably 50,000 views. So that's a great post, you know, considering it took me literally less than a minute my wife went to take a quick phone call and i just found something and put it on linkedin and she came back and we finished watching our movie wow that is so freaking cool Corey. thank you so much i want to be respectful of your time i really appreciate this chat i learned so much i know the audience definitely would learn so much from this chat and i think it's perfect because we share a lot of our clips on linkedin so this is very relevant for linkedin so thank you so much for your time today Corey. You're welcome, Andy. I'm glad we were able to make it work. And uh, I'm thankful for everyone that tuned in and watched this. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Corey, where can people find more and learn more and follow you? LinkedIn. Um, Corey, Corey Lapish Warfield on LinkedIn. Um, also, I've got a, a my my company's in shadow mode, but CoreyConnects.com is a way is a place to sign up for the wait list for some of our immersive tech. Um, and I'm on every other social media platform as well, but really LinkedIn's the one I take seriously. Thank you so much, Corey. I can definitely see the passion you have for LinkedIn and you've definitely opened my eyes about the power of LinkedIn. Like I was, like, I didn't know it could be leveraged and, and done in such a way. And then I think you really opened my eyes to that. So thank you for today. My pleasure. It was an absolute delight, Andy. I look forward to learning more about you and studying.com and maybe we can have a catch up in a few weeks. Most definitely. Guys, if you made it this far, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Please drop a review on both Spotify and Apple. I've been reading all the reviews, so I'd love to get some feedback. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys got value for your time. I'll see you guys next week with another episode. Peace.